I never really thought I'd do a book review on this podcast, but today I am. I'm talking about the book Sound Reporting, the NPR Guide to Audio Journalism and Production. Man, I learned a lot. My name is Carrie Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Okay, so why in the heck did I want to read a book about reporting? Well, mainly because it's produced by NPR, and you know NPR does all kinds of cool radio shows primarily, though they are now doing podcasts as well. And their audio is some of the best produced audio that is out there. I mean, have all the musical transitions and sound effects and live recordings. And I just want to tell you some of the reasons that I decided to read this book and report to you what I discovered. First of all, a while back, I read a book by a guy named Cal Newport. I think Cal is a professor of computer science at Cal Poly or Caltech or something like that. I'll figure it out and put it in the show notes for this episode. <laughs> it's episode 92, which you can find at podcastfasttrack.com slash 92. And the book was called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And I was just really inspired and challenged by the book that I need to be always improving. I need to be trying to be in everything I do so good that I just can't be ignored. And so I wanted to learn from these people at NPR that I consider to be some of the best at creating a mood in a podcast or a piece of audio or creating an actual story. And I wanted to learn that because I have a podcast coming up where I'm going to be telling some stories and using sound clips very similar to an NPR show. So it's something I really wanted to know. I, I want to become better at what I do, to see it as a craft and not just an element of my work, not just something fun or a hobby, but as a craft. And though the book's aimed squarely at those who are wanting to be better at reporting news stories in an effective way, there is a lot that applies to any kind of recording, like podcasting. You see, the professional and quality work that NPR has done over the years is undeniable, so there's plenty to learn from any group of people who have been reporting news and telling stories through audio. I just entirely believe that. So I've kind of broken this down into a few sections, things that were shared in the book that I feel are particularly relevant or helpful to those of us who are doing podcasts. They have a section where I took some notes on two-person hosting. So that's like if you have a co-host in their context, they usually consider this to be like a host and a reporter. But in podcasting, it's typically a co-host and a host, okay? 
Now, the other section, there's one on interviewing tips, which I think were very helpful. There's also a section on tips for good recordings that I'm going to walk you through some of my observations. And then finally, but I'm actually going to do it first, is just a section at the beginning where the author, Jonathan Kern, talks about the benefits of audio. So let's talk about that. What are the benefits of audio? Why are we audio people? Why are we doing podcasting, which is primarily an audio media? Now, of course, you can do video podcasts and you can, you know, send those out via RSS feed and all kinds of stuff, but they're not as portable. They're not as easy to consume. And that's really the first point that the MBR people talked about is that podcasts are portable and they're talking about for the listener. The listener can listen when they want, where they want, almost at any time, while they're driving, while they're exercising, while they're mowing the lawn, while they're doing the dishes. They can do that with an audio podcast. Another benefit of audio is that they're intimate. It's one person speaking directly to one person. Now, that's not true if you have it turned on in such a way that it's coming through speakers and more than one person is listening to it. But generally speaking, audio is from one person to one person, even if it's being broadcast over radio, over airwaves, because that one person on the end of the line who's listening is having that experience right there in their own head. I thought that was a powerful point because audio can be intimate in that regard. They also said podcasts are nimble or audio is nimble. I mean, it's easy to do it anywhere. You can record on the spot if you have a good recording device. You can be ready. You don't have to have a camera set up. You don't have to have a van with a film crew. You can just have that little recorder with you. And it's a very easy thing to just hit play and go. Now, another point that Jonathan Kern made that I thought was powerful is that few things affect us as human beings like the sound of the human voice. I mean, it's a sound that's familiar to us. It's a sound we can all relate to. And it's a sound that is probably one of the most expressive things that exists. The intonation, the turn of a phrase, the inflection, all of those things are powerful for communicating a message or for telling a story. And that really is the last point that he talked about in the benefits of audio was that sound tells a story. Now, of course, you can do that visually with painting or photography or things like that, but those are left up to interpretation a lot. But when you're actually using verbiage, you're using words like I'm doing right now, and you're telling facts or you're demonstrating something through what you say, or you're actually telling a story, it engages people in a way different than those other things, not necessarily better, but different. And so those are some of the benefits of audio. Now let's go next to the section where Jonathan talked about tips for good recordings. I think all of us as podcasters can use some of the principles that he describes here. First of all, he encourages people who are going to be recording audio to write and speak for the ear, not the eye. What he means is don't script something out. And he's talking that way because they do script out things for radio shows quite often. But he's saying, if you're going to use a script or you're going to do a bullet point outline, don't write it out the way it looks good to the eye as you're writing it. Instead, write it out in a way that it sounds right for the ear. 
to comprehend. And so maybe you should read those things out loud if you're going to use a bullet point outline or if you're going to use a script. Read it out loud to yourself. Does it sound natural? Does it sound right when you actually read it out loud? He also stresses that simpler is better when it comes to recordings. You want it to be able to be comprehended, to be understood the first time. Because in their context, especially at NPR, radio is a one-time broadcast and it's over. I mean, there's no rewind button. There's no jump back 30 seconds. They have to focus on simpler being better and getting it right so it can be understood the first time. I think podcasting, we have a little bit more leeway in that and some leniency because we do have that skip backwards button. But I think if we're going to follow that so good they can't ignore you sort of a principle, we will also be aiming at simpler, being better. We'll be working to be comprehended right the first time because it's more impacting that way. When someone has to stop a recording right in the middle and jump back 30 seconds because they didn't quite understand what you said. I think that's a detriment to you. That's a detriment to the effectiveness of your podcast and the enjoyment level is going to drop. And so simpler is better. The third point that Jonathan talks about in this section is that good recordings should be done in such a way that they present information at a pace and in a form that allows people to absorb it. So things like pauses, things like spacing, things like pacing of a conversation or a description of something really matter because there's someone on the other end of that recording who's listening, who's needing to absorb it, and their brain has to have time to process. Their spirit needs to have time to absorb the feeling and the emotion of what's going on. And so I think as content producers, we should be very aware of this, that it's important to present information at a pace and in a form that allows people to absorb it. So by form, I think they're talking about the savvy placement of sound effects or music, the care that's taken to not overwhelm a voice with a background effect or background noise. You see, there is a whole lot that goes into this that these NPR folks have figured out because they've been doing it for so long. But those of us in podcasting know The integration of those extra elements like background noise from a crowd or sound effects or things like that, man, that takes a nuance. It takes a almost a a diligent study of doing so in order to make it work right. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we're doing it in a form that allows people to absorb it, that we're not distracting from what it is we're really trying to get across. Now, he also mentioned in this section about good recordings that we need to do something he's already mentioned in the benefits of audio, and that is to write the way we speak. Now, keep in mind, again, he's talking to people who typically write out scripts or write out different things they're going to read on the air. But the reason I wanted to include this again in this section about good recordings is because there's a mindset behind it in the way he described it here. He was talking about Speaking as if to one person, not hundreds or thousands. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but it's easy when you're podcasting to think, oh, I have 300 downloads per episode, if that's your number. And so you may think of speaking to 300 people, thinking of a crowd or the whole group. But what they've learned 
at NPR. And what I've learned in, in my experience as being a public speaker and being one who's preparing things to speak publicly, and podcasting is public speaking, isn't it? it you need to think of one individual. And that mindset shift enables you to speak in a more intimate way, a more personal way, a way that connects better with the heart of individuals. And because you're speaking to one person in your own mind, every person at the end of the recording who's hearing it in the finished product is able to hear it as if they were that one person. And it's more impacting. This is such a subtle shift in the way we think about recording the things that we say. But I believe it's powerful and I believe it definitely will have an impact if we're able to think of our podcasting as speaking only to one person on the other end. The next point that Jonathan covered in his book was don't use words you wouldn't use at other times. (laughs) I think that's kind of common sense that we forget about quite often. We get behind the microphone and we start to feel like we've got to sound professional or we've got to say things that sound smart. And he's saying, no, don't do that at all. Use words you normally would use because it lends to what he calls authenticity, which I totally agree. If you sound like you, how can you be more authentic than that? But he also says it aids in comprehension. If you're picking out words that you think are flowery or sound smarter, for example, man, you may be confusing your audience who probably listens on the very same level that you normally speak. So don't use words that you wouldn't use at other times. He also talks about an issue that I find myself dealing with from time to time, and that is to be aware of cliches. You know what a cliche is, right? It's a phrase that everyone uses to describe a certain type of thing, a phrase kind of like water under the bridge. Jonathan says, when you're telling stories or when you're trying to communicate something in a powerful way, you need to be aware of the cliche. Sometimes a cliche is very poignant, very fitting for that place in the recording. But other times, it's just a cliche and it's a sign of laziness, really, in thinking about how you're going to communicate. So look for alternatives, look for new ways, different ways, but still simple ways to explain what it is you're trying to explain. Your listeners will thank you for it and they will actually comprehend what you're saying even better. Another tip that Jonathan gives in this section about good recordings is to avoid unnecessary jargon. Now, I realize depending on what you're podcasting about, there may be jargon or nomenclature that comes along with your particular discipline. Okay. In audio recording, for instance, we may be talking about hertz or uh, luffs when it comes to sound, you know, things like that. But if you don't have to, speak in the jargon, don't. Because you want to speak to the person who's listening to your show and has the least amount of information about the subjects you cover. That way it's accessible to everyone. So avoid unnecessary jargon. Jonathan has a very creative way of explaining this. He says, you want to explain the things that you must explain. Imagining that you're doing so to a smart but distracted 10th grader. (laughs) I think that's great a smart person, but they're distracted. So they're fairly mature in their thinking ability. They're fairly mature in the way they they view the world. And that's a 10th grader, but they're distracted. So explain things on that level. Don't get too complicated or complex. 
and your listeners will be able to get what you're saying more easily. And then finally, this one's kind of a no-brainer, but I think a lot of us uh, just are lazy and don't do this. He says, know and pronounce names correctly. He's talking about names of people, names of places, names of cities, you know, that kind of thing. Even terminology that you do have to use. Know it, meaning understand it, what it means and, and where it comes from, and then pronounce it correctly. It just is better in terms of educating your listeners, but also just as better because it's right. It's just the way to do it. Now, the next section that I want to step into that Jonathan covered is what he called two-person hosting. For podcasting, I would just refer to this as co-hosting, okay? He's saying when there's two people who are kind of planning, uh, in our case, an episode, here are some tips for making this better. First of all, discuss a mutual goal or point for the episode. Now, I know some co-hosts are able to just kind of wing it. They have a guest on and they're just going to talk with the guest and get to wherever they get to. And hey, I guess that's fine. But Jonathan is saying, when you discuss a mutual goal, you have a point to the conversation that you're wanting to have. You're able to actually bring more value to your listeners because you're very specific about what it is you're trying to do. And therefore, you can be more intentional about it. He also says that the co-host should communicate with each other ahead of time about those things because not everyone is able to think on their feet, so to speak. There's a cliche for you. Did you notice that? Not everyone's able to think on their feet and be able to just think out loud and say something intelligible. Some can, some can't. So Jonathan is saying, communicate with each other ahead of time about those mutual goals or, or things that you may want to talk about so that you both have time to think it through. That may include creating lists of suggested questions or topics that you want to cover. And discuss with each other your own point of view about the subjects you're going to be talking about. Because you want to know if you're just going to be yes men to each other or if there's going to be some sort of tension that you can play out and you can posit against each other. You see, to make it more interesting, to make it more uh, enjoyable to listen to, there are all kinds of benefits to talking about these things with your co-host ahead of time. He says you also should take the time to suggest sound effects or clips that you want to use if you do that sort of thing. Get some ideas bouncing around so that the two of you can kind of come at this together and be creative as the two of you look at it with, with two sets of eyes rather than one. He also says you should always have notes handy that contain facts, statistics, pronunciations of names or words that you need, those kinds of things. I think that's a great tip. And then finally, he said, remember, it's a conversation, not a polished script. So you don't have to verbatim say things exactly like you've got them on paper if you're using paper or notes. Remember, it's a conversation. So what do you do when you have a conversation with someone over coffee? Well, you just talk. You just allow for pauses. You go back and forth. One person doesn't monopolize it. So in a sense, at this point, I think it's helpful to not think about your audience and instead think about the person you're talking with and what would enable the two of you to have a more enjoyable conversation. Because in my experience, if the two people on the recording are enjoying themselves and enjoying talking with each other, everybody who's listening is going to enjoy it that much more. 
Okay, and then I had one thing to add on here at the end of this section about two-person conversations or co-host situations. And it really is kind of jumping off of that last one about it being a conversation. I say this out of my experience from editing lots of podcasts where co-hosts have been involved. And I guess the best way to say it is this rapport between the two people goes a long way and banter is a fun thing, but be sure to keep it on target for the goals that you have for that episode. I mean, there's some podcasts that are just painful to listen to because the two people are thinking too much about only the two of them, and they're having all this fun and interaction that really is completely irrelevant to the people listening. And it's not respecting the time of those who are listening and actually waste their time. So I would encourage you, yeah, have the banter, have that rapport. It makes for a better, more relaxed recording and a, and a more enjoyable conversation. But don't get carried away. Keep it on target for the goals that you have for the episode. All right, I want to wrap up with Jonathan's interviewing tips because I don't know actual figures, but I would guess probably 70% of podcasts out there are interview style shows. So I think all of us can benefit from knowing how to interview better. And in his context, this was usually a reporter or an actual interviewer type host who would be doing this kind of a thing. And he says it has to come through their personality and their skills. So as an interviewer, you need to understand your own personality and your own abilities when it comes to asking questions so that you know, can I follow up on a question effectively? And if not, should I practice that? Should I learn how to do that? Or do I have trouble with that? And should I have a ready set of questions handy? You see, those are what he means by understanding your own personality and skills. But anyway, that's kind of beside the point. Let's get into these tips that he gives for interviewing. First of all, he says, be curious, be curious. And I think curiosity goes a long way when it comes to asking questions, because you don't have to stick straight to the bullet point list of questions that you've prepared for the episode. If something interesting comes up, I mean, because I'd rather have interesting over well-planned any day of the week, wouldn't you? So be curious as a person is answering your question, really listen and be curious about the things they're saying. Really? That's what happened. How did that happen? Or why did you feel that way? Or those kinds of things. He also says it's helpful to be skeptical. He elaborates a little bit. He says, be skeptical about human nature and agendas that are being described or presented. Uh, Ask more questions because of that skepticism. You see that skepticism allows you to investigate a little more, kind of like Sherlock Holmes, digging in, looking for and listening for the truth. You see, that's what skepticism helps you to do. He also says, we as interviewers need to listen well. And that means we need to inject emotion and genuine interest into the way that we ask our questions and the interaction we have with our guests. Because as they share things and we are emotionally engaged, we're able to respond with more authenticity. We're able to ask the next question in a way that shows we not only heard what they said, we understood it and we're digging a little deeper. And so we have to be careful that we're listening well. He also says you want to do everything you can to avoid factual mistakes when you are talking with someone in an interview. That means you're probably going to have to do a little bit of homework first about the person, about their accomplishments, about the pronunciation of their name, about all kinds of things so that you can avoid 
making silly mistakes in the middle of the recording. It may be something that's not a big deal, but it could also be something that's kind of embarrassing for you or your guest. So he says it's important to do everything to avoid factual mistakes. Now, understand again, there's probably a little caveat that should be said here. Jonathan is coming from the perspective of radio that has to go out uh, accurately and with uh, the first time recording being uh, effective. So he's not talking about something like a podcast where we can edit. We can actually be more relaxed because it is a podcast. He's saying do everything to avoid factual mistakes because of his context. So keep that in mind. He says also, you should always engage in small talk first before you even hit the record button. The reason is it puts you at ease with your guest and it puts your guest at ease with you. And it, if you can get to the point that you're able to get your guest to completely forget that they are actually doing a recording, that is wonderful because they're going to be more genuine, more revealing of the real answers to the questions that you answer. And that small talk is a big piece of getting them there. He also says it's important to play dumb. Even if you do know about the topic that your guest is speaking on, play dumb, ask questions for the sake of your listeners that will enable them to learn from the guest in a way that they maybe couldn't before. He suggests that we avoid yes-no questions. I think most of us know that because how interesting is it to ask a question and someone just says no? That's not very interesting. You need a little more than that, don't you? He says either or questions should also be avoided. So instead of saying, did you feel this or did you feel that? Well, those should be avoided as well because your answers are usually short and not very colorful. So along that line, instead... Ask for analogies to clarify the thing. So, so what was that like? Or how did you think about that? You know, those kinds of things put people into a more imaginative, creative mode when they're answering the question. So ask for analogies. And he said, especially if you need to clarify technical subjects. And then here's the very last point he gave about interviewing, which I think is a powerful one. He says to put the same energy into your questions as you would like to get from the responses to your questions. That means you've got to be somewhat enthusiastic and energetic in the way you ask the question. You've got to show that this matters to you. It's not just a list that you're reading from. You want to kind of set the mood and set the tone for the level of enthusiasm that this conversation is going to portray because your guest will most times match you in that. So put some energy into your questions, put some energy into your approach to the conversation and your recordings will come out better and your listeners will definitely benefit more. So that's it. That's just a quick, it's not really a review of the book of sound reporting by Jonathan Kern, but it's kind of some best practices that I learned from reading the book. I'll have a link to the book in the show notes for this episode. It's at podcastfasttrack.com slash 92. And that's it for this episode of Podcastification. Hey, if you like the show, would you do me a favor and share it with someone you know would enjoy it or benefit from it? You know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, 
and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Thank you.